Evil Squid Comics Podcast, Episode 12, Season 2. And what are you drinking? I don't know. What what are we drinking? Scott's drinking water, it looks like. Margarita. Yeah, I'm drinking water right at the moment. I just got done with the... So, anyway, we're all Zooming tonight, so it's a little different dynamic. I don't know how it's going to work. I I don't either. I can barely communicate you guys when I'm in the same room with you. (laughs) I know. But this is true. I watched, I finally watched Knives Out. Oh, you hadn't seen that? Oh. No, I hadn't seen it. That's a good flick. What'd you think? It was good. I liked it. It was good. I, I liked uh, it. That's a good review, Don. I pushed my uh, son, Xander, to watch it because I thought he'd like it. And he said he did. He enjoyed it. Wow. We tried to get Emma to watch it, it, but she fell asleep in like 10 minutes in. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, Xander and I, we didn't even start it until like 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night. So it was like 1 a.m. by the time it was over. Emma's always exhausted. She falls asleep like ten thirty. Oh, if she's wow. watching yeah, TV, I, I think TV puts her out. I used to do that to me when I was younger too. If I'd, if I'd watch something, it would just like shut down. I'd pass out. Ah, uh, dang! That margarita sure looks good. Jeez. You have a margarita? What's that yeah. chair you're in, Don? Huh? Is that like a recliner? Your chair? It's a loveseat couch. Oh, nice. All right. Sweet. He's cool. just in style. There. Yeah, I'm like in a folding chair. I got like an annoying light behind me. Scott's got at least cool art and games and action figures behind him. Ooh, I'm, like, yeah. I'm chilling in my area. Nice. There you go. Chilling in his area. All right. Um, I also, did you guys ever watch that movie Vice? Vice. Vice. Yes, that was hilarious. Yeah. I, I have watched that with, uh, what's his name, uh, Christian Bale, right? Yeah. Dick Cheney yeah. is the bomb. Yeah, he is. That's just, did you say you hadn't seen it, Scott? I haven't, but it's not like you're going to ruin it for me. So. Well, no. I mean, I was just it, the way it's filmed, and it's funny. It's it's very weird the way they. Sam Rockwell, it, George W. Yeah, yeah, and oh, uh, what's his face? The Office guy. Steve uh, Carell. Steve Carell. Yeah, he plays like. Uh, Donald Rumsfeld. Oh, really? He's in it quite a bit, but yeah, yeah, it's Rumsf- pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It had so many great moments. I just want to like quote it. Like when he's talking to George Bush, he's like, "Well, I'll be the vice president, but I want to run it a little bit differently. Like you'll be in charge of you know, you know, parties and being the figurehead, and then I'll do like the military and the." And he listed off all the things he was going to be everything in charge of. Else. <laughs> everything else. Everything else. And Bush is like. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. And then they position all the... All, he's got, like, all his guys in the spots. So, like, they're getting the emails to the president, like, before the president gets them, like, all the morning updates and everything. Like, they're intercepting everything. Like, I don't know. I don't know how factual that movie No, I, I looked it up. It's not very factual at all, but it is hilarious. Like, I it mean, he just made stuff up, like, for that movie. But it regardless, it was just... It's great. Yeah. Or like when they're talking like, 
Oh, global warming sounds so bad. Let's call it climate change. Doesn't that sound a lot better? And they had like a focus group. Yeah, climate change sounds a lot better than global warming. Let's call it that. Right. <laughs> Everybody likes climate change. Global yeah, warming no, sounds think, bad. I guess it's not like necessarily funny, but when they when 9-11 happens and they're in the bunker and Cheney's in there and the president's like in the plane, and he goes, I can't remember what he said. It was like initials or whatever. He's like, yeah. He's like, shoot anything out of the air. <laughs> and they're like, they look at it like, do you have the authority to do that or something? And he's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> he just like takes over. Yeah, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. He kept having heart attacks. That was a good ongoing joke. Right. Right. He's walking, he's walking like in the halls of the White House or whatever, and just like drops to a knee. He's like, "Call the ambulance!" <laughs> like it's like his fourth heart attack or whatever. Yeah, good times. Anyway, anyway that's what I watched some movies. Cool. A couple. Oh, I saw Hamilton with about probably like fifty million other people over the weekend. What is that? It's a musical. It's it, it's, it's a, a musical. Did a movie. Yeah, Disney yeah, bought they, well, the rights. They just basically filmed the Broadway show, one of the oh. Broadway shows, and they, they're they televising that. So it's a Broadway musical. Well, I knew that, that, that Hamilton was a Broadway musical, but I'd heard people talking about it or seen it on social media, but I didn't know if it was something different or if it was the musical. They just filmed, was, the, broad, they just filmed they the Broadway filmed show? The, yeah, they basically filmed one of the shows in, like, 2016, and so it's not a theatrical yeah, version of it? It is a theatrical version of it. Well, it is, well, but... Okay, I mean, it's the play, I guess I should say. So they just filmed okay, the play? So, yeah, they just filmed the play. Oh, I thought it was so like an actual... So it's like an actual stage performance. So you're um, right, it's not like a whole theatrical design type thing and stuff. That's weird, because they said Disney paid like $70 million for the rights or to buy the thing. I'm like, how did that cost $70 million? Just take a camera and shoot. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they did a good job with it because they put the cameras in really great places. In the well, I don't know if that's worth $70 million, Scott. But it's it's not worth 70 Well, to Disney, it probably ended up... Well, I'm up sure it is, but... Because they ended up having, like, a shit ton of people join Disney Plus over the freaking weekend, so... And it probably breaks them into a different demographic than the people who want Star Wars and superheroes. Mm, I would assume so. But the fact is, it's something that they finally have that didn't, like, go to theaters first, and people really wanted to watch, much like Mandalorian. But to your point, it's a different, different demographic than Mandalorian. Yeah. Man, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes has to work, like, a year and three months to make $70 million. Right? Something like that, yeah. Yep. It's tough. That's a sweet deal. Did I started you, did, watching Warrior Nun on Netflix. Warrior Nun? Is that any good? Yep. Eh, it's okay. I was hoping it'd be more like Buffy the Vampire Slayer type of thing, but eh, it's so-so. Hmm. It's typical Netflix, though. It's it's going really slow, and, and it'll probably pick up towards the end. Hmm. I saw that. Like, I was flipping through channels or whatever and saw that it was on there but i didn't even look at what it was about or because there used to be a comic years ago called warrior nun or, or ariella or something you yeah i know what you're talking about it's not based on that is it i think it's the same property well i think it's oh, it is? well i thought it was i don't know i thought it was manga isn't it like a manga 
Or no? Am I confused? It wasn't a manga, but it was it was like that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Style, but it wasn't manga. It it's was not like the same thing. Made. I don't know. Well, manga is Chinese. I mean, manga would be produced over there, wouldn't it? Usually, it's yeah. Not like American manga. I, I know nothing about Warrior Nun except there used to be a comic book. I don't know if it's related to this or not. I thought it was a comic book of the Japanese manga, an American version of it, and now they've made some kind of thing, but I could be totally wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Could be. I've just been watching Mad Men. Yeah? Yeah. I was thinking about that. There are, that. have you gotten to, when you were asking me if there's anybody redeemable in that show? Yeah. Or like if they're all just a-holes? Like Like I said, Peggy's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, have you gotten to the part where the the British where the they, they yeah, the, the company the, taken the, over? The British the just British. took over. Yeah, that's the beginning that of guy, season three. That's what we're in now. He's not necessarily a bad guy. The he guy who runs of, it, huh? The guy who runs the office, the British dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. all right. He's just kind of vanilla. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Well, but, Don's uh, Don's kind of. He's kind of come around a little bit. He's still not good, but he's gotten a little better this season. Maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a little phase he's going through. His whole, I don't know. He's hard to pick out because I mean he. He's got issues. Well, have you figured out who? Well, I I don't know. I don't know where I don't know where things happen. I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that he's like not actually Don Draper. He's Dick, whatever. That's, right. That's all been okay, revealed. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. So, I mean, he basically is living a lie, like his yeah, whole life. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I mean, that's not really a... I guess it's not a terrible thing, but it's not like the, It's not like he's a Boy Scout. Yeah, but that guy was dead, so it's not like it matters. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, it's... How many... You said there were six? Seven seasons. Six, how many? Seven. Seven. Okay, so you're not even halfway... No, not halfway. So, anyway. It's a good show, though. Yeah, that's what I've been watching pretty much nonstop. Cool. Yeah, I would imagine. There's quite a few episodes each season, too, right? Well, it's only 13 per season. Yeah, okay. But still, if you get, like, one or two a night, it doesn't go that fast. It still takes... Yeah, very true. Did you ever watch it, Scott? No, I didn't. But I think it's my last, like, bucket list show. Like, at one point, I wanted to watch The Sopranos, but I'm not even sure that show even holds up that well. So. I bet it does. So, that was a pretty good show. Yeah, that might be kind of on my bucket list, but it's not that big. But, I mean, I think this is my last bucket list show. Yeah. We'll see. Did you guys read a bunch of comic books? I did. I read a ton of comic books. Wow, good. I, I read did. my, my two. I actually read some something, but not a ton. Cool. But it's all one. I read like one, two, three, four. I read six issues of the Hickman X Men. That's all I read. So like I read one thing and only six issues. So this is what I read. It won't. It won't. Wow. <laughs> it won't take me very long to talk about what I'm talking about. So it's all Drew and Scott. It probably will be true. Well, hey, Nick is true. watching. It's all I read. Hey, Nick, Ooh. how's it going? Nick's watching. Oh, cool. Say hi, hi to Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. I, I can't. 
I can't see your little computer, so I don't know who's watching. I know, that's what I'm saying. Or your has the power. Has the power. Oh, so I tried to watch Terminator 2 with my son. It got too scary for me. He didn't want to finish it. What? Yeah. Terminator 2 was too, too intense. My kids love Terminator 2. Right? So I, well, your kids... they, but, they, I, but I made them watch the first one. I didn't make, them, I didn't make them watch first. the first one because it's weird. Well, and my kids said that was awful. They said it was funny and just totally like a B movie. I don't, think it, I don't think it... I like it and I appreciate it, but I don't think it holds up to like a modern audience. How about that? Oh, God, no. Obviously, it didn't. And then... But then both... I know my daughter, my uh, Isabel, she she said the second one was really good. Xander yeah. was like, yeah, it was better than the first. So. Yeah. Well, like, uh, the problem, Nick and I did the first Terminator for our podcast now that Nick's here. And when we, the one thing I thought was weird about the first one is, like, the whole, like, trying to have sex with your, your friend's mom is just kind of weird if you think about it, you know? Probably. <laughs> yeah. A little awkward. I don't know. I just thought watching it again as an adult, it's like, that's a little strange. But, you know, whatever. Did you see that they, they're doing, like, uh, retro nights at the drive-in on Mondays? I did. They're doing, like, a Terminator yeah. RoboCop night. Yeah, RoboCop and Terminator. And yeah. it's the it's the extended whatever, the, the RoboCop, the, what do you call it? Like, the the more violent one. The unrated version? uh -huh unrated version extended whatever yeah the one they had on amazon yeah. for a while i watched that it really wasn't that different it was a little more violent well no but except they when they shoot that when they shoot him they shoot him for like like 10 minutes, minutes right? yeah and there's just blood flying everywhere yeah. there's one long yeah moment there and everywhere paul verhoeven the, loved his week, violence but this week they're doing um uh empire strikes back the 40th it's the 40th anniversary so they're doing empire strikes back at the drive-in, I don't remember what. There's two movies. I don't remember what the second one is. So when I go see like a retro movie at the theater, the main appeal is like you just see on the big screen, you have the theater sound and stuff, you know. Yeah. The drive-in's not much better than my home theater, really. Or it's actually, I mean, the screen's big, but the sound's horrible. I mean, I don't know what the appeal is. I guess unless you just like to hang out with other people and watch stuff. Yeah. Well, that's sort of watching a movie under the stars and it's the environment that you're in. I, Nick said he went Sunday night to the drive-in and saw Jurassic Park, but he didn't stay for E.T. I guess they had a Jurassic Park E.T. So. Um, My kids thought E.T. was oh, awful. Wait. I watched that recently. I rewatched E.T. I thought it held kid, up okay. My kids did not like that movie. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a rough Black. one. It's Empire Strikes Back and Black Panther. That's a weird combo. Ooh. I know, right? Have to drive it. <laughs> but Drew, the sound is better now because you listen to it through your car stereo. I've done it. it. I've done it that way. It's still horrible. Well, and, or well, you could be like my daughter who did that, and then her battery died. Right. Out there and give it jump. a jump. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know the drive-in. It's I don't know. It's hot, man. Too. So I. Yeah, not, that's not, true too. Not real appealing to me, but I see that. I can see how it might be cool, but. Yeah, not for me anymore. I'm too old. And I don't want to stay up that late either. Because it doesn't start till like 9.30. Yeah. I'm old, man. Why would I stay yeah, up that late to watch a movie I've already seen? Yeah, especially this time of year. They, they don't even get started until probably like 9.30. Yeah, like yeah, that. exactly. So, I don't know. I, the the drive-in I have fond memories of, but 
I think that most of the appeal has disappeared for me, which is sad Dude. to say. It's on it. We took the kids a couple times. I mean, even within like probably the last three or four years, and it's it's still fun from time to time. Cool. Yeah, but I would say always go in the spring or the fall where the movies can start a little bit earlier because the days are shorter. The day yeah, the shorter. if you can catch it early March, it's not that hot and it starts quite a bit earlier. That's the ideal time. Yeah, and like I said, I think the fall works out pretty well too. Yeah, if you can get like, yeah, definitely, I agree. To me, the idea of the driving is better than the actual driving. That's kind of what right. I you you just put what I was trying to say with a thousand words. You just said with like ten. Good job, Doug. Exactly. Exactly. But like like Scott said, it is kind of we used to go maybe once a year and take the kids and it's kind of fun to do that. But yeah. Yeah, I took the kids a couple times. It was fun. But like I said, it's not that fun anymore for me. I got my I got my new comic shipment today. It had a decent amount of comics in it. Wow. There weren't very many Marvel comics though. Yeah, they said Marvel's only shipping like every other week. Yeah. Or they're doing trades one week and then single issues the next or something. I don't know. Uh, but DC's but I, cranking product out. Are they? Supposedly. I don't buy any DC, so I wouldn't know. Well, I got a few. I mean, I got a couple Batmans and I got um, that Joe Hill stuff. And then, like, uh, oh, a couple of those, uh, the Black Label ones. Yeah. Because I've been... I've been buying those, so I got those. But it seemed like a lot of image. Yeah. Cool. Images stuff out. Which did you? Uh, did you get? Uh, did you pick up that Negan lives or whatever? I did not. Did you, did you hear about what it is? It's about Negan and he lived. Right. Well, Kirkman wanted to. Kirkman wanted to help the comic book stores so he went back to the well and he gave everybody right. copies it, it of it for back free to the right? well and did like a negan one shot and, and like shipped it or whatever so it came out like i don't know yeah i think last just like last week yeah last week yeah i didn't pick so that takes the... place like when the epilogue did of the original or I, think I don't know. So. I just got it today. I haven't read it, and I haven't read anything uh, about it. I what's sad is it. I didn't even remember what happened to Negan, but I guess he kind of like wandered off at some point. And I guess it's what happens after he wandered off. Huh. It's, oh, like okay. a, it's like a he Negan story. And he finds a little house where he just like kind of puts himself in his own solitary type thing. Yeah, he so. goes and finds him. She, uh, that's, he, he like goes down on his knees ready to be shot, and he, she's like, heck no, you're torturing yourself. That's better than I could ever do, and she walks off. Yeah, I think it happens after like that. There. Uh, I don't know that there's really... Yeah, this, that may be what this is about, but that's kind of where they left him a bit. I mean, they flashed back to him, I think, in that house by himself. But yeah. I don't know that he really does much. Yeah. That's at least what I last remember. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that's what this story is after that, maybe. I don't know. I didn't read it. I kind of felt like Walking Dead's over. I don't really need a Negan Liv story. And I have them all in nice hardcover, so I don't really... Maybe they'll combine it with that other Negan book, and they'll put out another hardcover, like a whatever, next volume. What other Negan book? They did, like, a Negan origin story, and they collected it as, like, a trade. Oh, they did do something like that. Where and I never read that either. Where the origin of Lucille and things of that nature. Yeah. What was that? Was that in, like, their Image Plus? I think they were serializing in there, and then they put out, like, a hardcover of it or a trade or something. I don't know. 
I don't remember the hardcover trade ever coming out, but I remember it being in like Image Plus or Next or yeah, whatever. It did come out. Huh. Anyway. So, yeah. Kind of like the Michonne one shot or whatever about uh, how she got the two zombie guys that were walking around. Oh, yeah, they could put that out sometime too. They, they could put that Negan book, the Negan Lives, and then the Michonne one shot all together. That'd almost be enough material. I know they put the Michonne stuff actually in a free comic book day one year. And... Yeah. In my order, I got a lot of Kirkland stuff because an issue of Die, Die, Die came out that um, Firepower trade or whatever with Somni came out. Yeah. The Nathan Lips came out. And then I think, uh, is it out? Is it Outcast? Or what's that one? Outcast, sure. Yeah. Outcast. I got quite a bit. About to end, right? Yeah, I think it's got like two or three more issues. I got quite a bit of Kirkman in my in my box this month. Nice. Yeah, that whole firepower release thing. I bought the trade, the prelude trade, and I got the free comic book day one because they just gave it to me. But then they're putting out another number one. Is the other number one the same as the free comic book day one, or is it a different thing? I don't know, but I ordered the trade, and then I ordered number one and two, and I'm hoping it's not just the reprint of the trade in a single issue. No, the trade's that. different. I'm just saying there's a free comic book day, number one. I'm trying to figure out where that fits I didn't in. Order with free. Did they actually release free comic book Yeah, day? I have it in my hands. Where'd you get it? At the comic book store. They gave it to me. I didn't order it. They just gave it to me. Oh, they're doing, like, weren't they doing, like, a, like a free comic book day, like, Making a mini, like, do it four weeks in a row or something instead of, like, one day. I think they were going to, like, slow Yeah, I think so. But, like, this was what was going to come out for comic book day. So he just put it out with the trade. And then there's a number one and a number two. But in the back of the comic book day, it says number one in the issue. And then it says number two coming soon. But it doesn't say anything about number one. So it's just kind of confusing. I don't know what the number right. one is. Or if right. it's just the same as the free comic book day one. I guess. The but I decided I'm just going to do trades on this. So I just got the prelude trade. I'm not going to get the single issues. Back before the the pandemic hit, I know I well, you know when you used to order stuff through DCBS, they would let you pick out free comic books. Yeah. To get, and I did that, but I never got any of them. So. Because they never came out, I don't think. I guess, but that one did. That one did. I think it just came out last week, so maybe. But you said you got the prelude trade. Yeah. In your box, so it's odd that you didn't get that either. I don't know. I'm not too worried about it. I don't think I've actually read a free comic book day comic book in probably five years. I go pick them up and then I stack them in a pile and I never get to them. I think so. the last one I read was the Street Angel one. Yeah, it's I much... think it was probably the store. I did, I did read that Street Angel one. Yeah, I, I, think, one I think I'm pretty much over a free comic book day. Because, like, well, like Don said, it's like I never read them, and it's usually, like, stuff that's reprints of stuff I've already read or stuff I'm going to buy, and so it's kind of like, eh. The best part about free comic book day is usually the sales or whatever that they have going on in the store. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Oh, man, Scott's already falling asleep. I usually went just to see the board game type sales and things of that nature. Yeah, that's a good plan. All right, let's talk about what we read. We talk about firepower. Uh, you talk about firepower. You can. I haven't read it though. Oh. Uh, Was it good? 
Um, I read the prelude and I read number one. So the prelude is like an, a really long origin story, obviously. And it's basically a, it's basically Iron Fist, you know? He like, it's this dude and he kinda goes to some secluded like mountain place and learns about like martial arts and fire power instead of, instead of Iron Fist, it's like a fire power, like a flaming fist thing, you know? But there's yeah. like, you got like the old dude on the cover uh, who's like the old wise guy and there's like a love interest and then of course there's the the other student who's like antagonistic towards him because he's an outsider blah 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 you know of course he's sort of like he is he is very advanced for his the amount of training he's had so he's kind of like a prodigy you know so it's that it's very atropish i would say but very well done very entertaining. Like I said, it's Kirkman, so he knows how to tell a story. Samney is a great artist, so I mean, super enjoyable, but just nothing super um, groundbreaking, I would say. But really, really solid, really, really fun. Very good. I enjoyed it. Good writing, good action. Yeah, and so then the number one free comic book day, it takes place like uh, like 10 or 15 years later. So the guy who went to the mountain or whatever, you know, He's now like living in the suburbs, has a wife and kids and all that jazz. And his but and his fifty yeah, fifteen years later, yeah. But what, that's in the trade. Yeah, at the very, very end of the trade, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen so years that's later. What the comic book day is. Well, it picks up where the end of the trade left off. So it's uh, fifteen years later and then you pick up in the suburbs and of course his past is now coming back to, you know, find him or whatever, basically is the gist. So it could be a metaphor for like nowadays with like social media and people that did stuff 30 years ago and now they're getting screwed because they said a joke or tweeted something. Yes, I'm sure it's a metaphor for that. Or it's 20, just... 25 years ago. Sorry. Yeah. That came, that came to a crashing halt. Crashing halt. All right, Scott or Don, you should do something. Uh, since Don has like one thing, I suppose I'll go next. Uh, I could do each issue. I could review White Glass issue. Man, Girl on Girl. Nice. Your favorite one, Don. Yes. What are you up to? What trade uh, is it? Five? Number six. All right, I got Eight. the I got the hardcover on screen of number six. So. Gotcha. Video. Cool. Oh, cool. Uh. So this is basically continuing off from number five. Wow, imagine that. Imagine that. And in this case, uh, the little monkey ampersand has been kidnapped by the, our ninja and has been taken across the ocean over to Japan, I believe. And um, the, the our heroes here, Dr. Man, 355, and Yorick are on a boat to try to intercept or at least try to catch up to him. And so this is pretty much all taking place on on a boat that they were able to get onto. Turns out that the boat is a bunch of drug runners that are trying to smuggle drugs, opium, into Australia. And meanwhile, the Australia females there, they have like a submarine, and they're after this boat to try to blow it up and stop the drug running. So that's pretty much what goes on in this book. Pretty good. So it's still solid? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's still solid. And it moves at a freaking lightning pace. So it's not like getting to the point where you're like, man, this series needs to hurry up and get it done. Oh, God, no. No, not at all. 
Well, that's good. I mean, it's got that little bit of a chase type of thing that's going on, you know, and whatever the heck else. But the characterization's real good, and it seems like they're always finding some new just disaster that they've gotten themselves into. The end of this this one, too, has like a little one-shot about his girlfriend, Beth, that's in uh, in Australia as well. And it kind of just has like a little, where, what is she up to now? What is she doing? And turns out she's still alive. Hey. So on my hardcover, it's, I think it's volume five and six. It's got like a chick with like a cowboy hat and a pistols in it. With like some. Uh, that could be Hero. Oh, okay. It's probably uh, his sister. Pop, his sister. Although cool. she really doesn't pop into this one. Maybe she's in the I last one. She might be in six. She was definitely in four. All right. She might be in. But yeah, this one has like a, a like a Hawaiian girl who's like captain of the boat that they're on. That that's the drug runners, and she's pretty down to earth type of person. But I mean, she just kind of told it like it is. Like if she wasn't doing the drug run, somebody else would be, or something like that. Just trying to make the most of it. Cool. Oh, yeah. So, you're reading this Why the Last Man pretty slow, man. I'm just doing one at a time. Wow. So I could do more, but it's just like, yeah. You're milking it. Might as well stretch them out. Dragging it out. Of them, so, I mean, now I'm, what, 60% done, so, you know. When's that TV show supposed to come out? Who knows? <sighs> That's too bad. <laughs> 20 never. 20 never. 20 never. Cool. Why the last man? All right, Don, what did you read? I just read X-Men. Oh, my God. Are you, yes. reading, are you reading the Hickman X-Men, Drew? No, I'm not. I read, like, the very, very first one. I want to read it. I just... I don't... Read I haven't read the X-Men for a while, so I feel like I don't want to dive in. I want to see what happened before. So I'm trying to catch up. Traitor. You read the first X-Men? The that, first issue? That, I know you read House of X. And yeah, Project, the first right? House of X. That's, I only read one issue of House of X. Oh, really? That's all I've read. Wow. Just get a taste. Yeah? Yeah. This pretty right, good. So, go ahead. Me? Somebody said something, I thought. Nope. It's all in your head. Oh. Okay. It's this damn Zoom so, call. I read two, three, four, five, six, and 7. And so Hickman did, or I mean, Leno Yu did four issues before he had to take a break. Oh, yeah. It's had, coming out by, isn't it coming out twice a month or something? I don't know. I mean, Little U's fast. He's not that fast. Well, he did the first four issues, and then he took two months off, or two issues off, and then he came back. But Okay, so I don't know, because the only thing that I'm buying is X-Men. But I, I'm buying New Mutants also, but I'm not buying X-Force, Marauders. I'm not buying any other X-Titles other than Wolverine. Okay. And I don't know, because... You read an issue and it doesn't, it doesn't carry over. Like it doesn't lead right in. I don't know if it's because the first few books they had like a checklist, where it's like read X Men, and then the next one is Marauders, and then this, and then this, and then this. So I don't know if I'm even getting like a full story or if it's like you know what I mean. Like because it'll, I don't know how to explain it. Like. They'll fight somebody, and then they won't resolve it, and then you read the next issue, and it's something completely different with, like, completely different characters. 
and they're doing something else. Isn't that and just how that Hickman rolls? Huh? Isn't that just how Hickman rolls? Well, that's what I'm wondering because it almost made me, I was trying to think about it because it was kind of like, am I missing something? Like, am, am I not reading the other eight books so I don't understand what's going on? Like, I'm missing 80% of the story or... How many books are it, there? Is there like another core book that you're missing? Like, maybe there's two core books? No. Um, here, I'll open it up. Please do. So there, oh, right. So he can read it to us. So there's like, no... No, it has on the back, it has a checklist. There's X-Men, there's Marauders, there's Excalibur, there's New Mutants, there's X-Force, and there's Fallen Angels. Oh, uh, yeah, none of those seem important. I doubt they, it. They might have even launched, like, a couple more since the first issue or whatever, or first two, I don't know, but... Gotcha. But, yeah. But, anyway, so then I was kind of thinking, well, maybe it's, like, uh, Chris Claremont. Maybe he's just doing, like... 10 different threads. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Do it and tie it together or whatever, but it's, I'm not, like, I was a huge fan of Leno, Leno Yu's artwork. Yeah. He's changed a lot, and I don't know, it's not like, it's not terrible, but it's not like my favorite thing ever now. Like His stuff isn't as like, crazy as it used to be, right? Yeah. Like, I'd be okay if he didn't do X-Men, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> I guess, but, uh, but there was one issue, it was like, I can't remember if it was like three or four, so you know, and I know, okay, so I don't know that I really like the way he set up the X-Men now, because you know what's going on, right, like, they can die, they have all their memories, like, yeah. downloaded, and so, like, if they die, they just make a new body and download their whatever essence or whatever into a new body so they're basically like immortal yeah what do they have like a just a bunch of clones yeah. around or something yeah well they can grow a clone like that like somehow with that really i i think that's how it went down it's like so they because it, it happens on one of them to i think it might have been i can't remember which character it was but they're like well we don't we don't really have your your full full backup. We only have your backup to like this point. So when we regenerate you, you're gonna miss yeah. out. Like you're not gonna remember like, any of this. Yeah, you're, you're gonna be missing like something or whatever. But I don't know that I really. It's different, but I don't know that I really like that aspect. It it kind of bothered me when I was reading them that because they it does take away a little bit of a threat there, I guess, in a way or something. Yeah, but I mean, he's Champions, not. But, Suspense, maybe in some ways. Um... He's not overusing it, I don't think. But I mean, like, so there was this one storyline where, and I can't even remember what it's called, but they basically they picked like three of them, and they picked them for their specific powers, and they didn't know if they were going to make it through the mission or not. So, but then they were like, "Well, you know, if you don't make it, we'll just, just yeah, we'll just upload back. your memories back to this." And... Right. You won't even but, remember uh, that you're on mission, so we'll send you again. Yeah. So have you but are you so, quitting X Men yet? Because you said Hickman was gonna make you quit X Men, didn't you? No, I'll probably stick with it because it is interesting. I do like kind of what they're doing and, and I do like the way Hickman's doing it. Because I was gonna say there's like one issue where it's basically all political. Because they form well they they're on Krakoa now and they declared like their own nation right so like they all the mutants are on one island 
and so they go to like uh oh it's what was it, davos where they have that big uh that yeah big uh, convention of rich people convention of rich people whatever so they're like invited to that and so like magneto and and uh professor x oh, i thought he was and, dead yeah well no why nobody's dead now they bring him back oh, nice. because they just keep bringing him back that's right right his freeze may be yeah. from 60 years ago but he's back right so no yeah professor x is back so like professor x magneto and like a couple other people they go to like this they go to uh this thing a meeting with a bunch of other people from other countries and and they basically say because they have those they have those um whatever the three the three things three things and they're marketing it to the world or whatever and so these people are like all the other leaders are saying things like well you know do we really need to take this drug like once a month it seems like you're kind of stringing us along like making us buy this and and magneto's like well yeah like i'm I'm not going to say that if you stop taking it, you'll be fine. Or maybe you take a lesser dose or whatever, but this is how it is. And they're like, you guys have taught us over the years, like how to maximize profit, like, you know, turn everything towards you, like use everything to your end. He's like, we're just doing what you guys have taught us to do over the years. And now we're using it against you. He's like, we're going to get all your money. And then we're going to buy like all your banks. We're going to buy like all of your, TV stations, all your newspapers, and then you guys will be coming to us because that's what power is now. It's not starting a war and fighting. It's buying everything and controlling everything because that's the way, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like Hickman, but how he gets like political and involved and all that stuff. But it was a pretty interesting issue. I mean, it was almost like a Bendis issue where it's just like talking heads the whole time. But uh, there's a little bit of action in it and but that's what I mean. Like, they do that, but then they'll have, I don't know, it's just weird. Like I said, you you get a piece of a story, and then they'll jump to, like, the next issue, they'll jump to, like, four or five other characters, and then they'll focus on them. And then they'll sort of resolve it, but not really resolve it, and then you'll jump to something totally different. So, I'm enjoying it. I just don't know if I'm getting the full story, like, if that's what he's doing, how he's doing it, or if I'm missing something by not buying all the other stuff. And also, like, Mystique, was it ever, I don't know, was it ever, was she ever able to teleport, like, Nightcrawler? She was never ever able to teleport, like, Nightcrawler, was she? I don't think so. I thought she was a shapeshifter. Yeah, because there was, like, an issue, and and she was, like, teleporting. And they had the BAM. Yeah, but they, yeah. So, I don't know. I was just... Maybe it was just a feminine-looking nightcrawler. No, it was Mystique. And then also the power of the retcon. So they're like, so Destiny has been dead forever, right? Ever. And, and they haven't brought her back. And so they there's an issue that's basically with Mystique. <clears throat> and they're, they're telling her that they need them. They need her to do this job, do a certain thing for them. And if she does it, then they'll bring Destiny back, and she can, and Destiny can be because then he, she even refers to her as her wife. 
which I remember like back in the day when Destiny was around, like they had something weird going, but it was never like cut and dry that they were together. You yeah. know what I mean? But apparently they were, according to Hickman, but they retconned it back to when Destiny was still alive and they're sitting out talking and Destiny's telling Mystique, they're in in a bun in a a long time from now. Some people that say that you're they're your friends are going to come to you and they're going to ask you to do something and they're going to promise you something that you really really want, and they're going to screw you over. So don't believe them. And this was like years. I, you know what I mean? It was yeah. Just like, I'm like, I guess that's kind of cool. That would have been cool. If I was like 15 and I'm like, ooh, that's cool. But now I've seen it like a thousand ooh. times and now it's just like, okay, Hickman, like, you know your history of the X-Men. <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Like, it was Yeah. Just Bit of a so, fan service, maybe? Huh? Bit of fan service? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. But, uh, but know about what I know and give a little <laughs> Easter egg here. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's all right. I'm, I'm kind of digging it, so... I'll stick with it at least the X Men. I'll be back. I'm getting okay. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't get into any. I bought the New Mutants because I liked the New Mutants and I thought I'd see how it went. I don't like the younger Cable. I don't like the new Cable character. And then all the other team books that they had, like the Marauders and Excalibur, there were like maybe one or two characters on the team that that I liked, but the rest of them I didn't really care for. So I was just like, eh. I'll just I'll just buy the core X-Men book and see what it's like. You know what I mean? Just take a break. Sure. What are you, 12? You follow characters? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, right? Nice. But, I, uh, I follow creators. Yeah? Because a good creator can take any character and make it interesting. Well, that's true, too. But So, yeah. I don't know. I guess I just, after years and years and years of buying X-Men, I guess I kind of got burned out. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to buy, you know, 10 titles a month anymore of x-men because i cool. don't know i drew a line in the sand line in the sand all right that's cool i bought holler number one what is that it's like a weird shaped comic yeah who makes it it is published by it's alive it's like self-published indie publisher oh, okay but uh i don't know i just saw it in previews look kind of cool um it's basically kind of the auto... I used to, when I was in high school, there were a bunch of autobiographical comic books out, like uh, Low Life and all sorts of cool autobiographical comics. And this is in that same vein. It's basically just this guy kind of talking about when he was in high school and he was banned. He talks about his band. And he has like these little vignettes of, you know, the girl he liked, another band member like this girl. It's just kind of very slice of life-ish. Um, I don't know. It was pretty entertaining. I mean, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I've always been a sucker kind of for... Uh, slice of life stuff but he's got little fun little vignettes like he's got this nirvana shirt and he said like his parents were religious or whatever and so he's like wearing his like nirvana shirt to like church group and they were talking about all these horrible things that kurt cobain said about like religion at like and he's wearing a nirvana shirt at like the, <laughs> the youth group and it was very awkward or whatever what's the name of this it's called holler h-o-l-l-e-r Number one, it's okay. like it's like a weird size, it's like almost like an album, but not that big. But and it was five ninety nine. I thought that was a little steep, but it's an indie comic, so what are you gonna do? But yeah, it was fun. It was a good little kind of slice of life thing. If you're looking for something like that, it might be something to check out. I think I think he's like crowdfunding issue number two right now. Like there's an Indiegogo or something for it. 
So did you get your did you get your survey for your um, uh, Octobriana? Octobriana, yes, I did, Don. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I thought that was going somewhere. That was it. Well, no. I, did you just <laughs> buy? The, did you just buy the neon one or whatever? Did you buy? Yeah, I just got the the regular one. I didn't get any of the extra stuff. Well, those posters are cool, but I don't have anywhere to put a giant right. black light exactly. poster. What but I didn't I? know if you bought the other versions of the comic because like No, I didn't point. do that either. It, that wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm good with just one version of it. <laughs> yeah, I am too. <laughs> like, I think it's cool that he that he's doing all that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Kind of like his thing, but. Yeah, no, it's cool. I just, I'm good. I mean, twenty bucks for a comic is bad enough. So. And then five dollars for shipping. Yeah. So, yeah, I I didn't really need more versions of it. Of course, the other versions were only like ten bucks a piece, so you know, I know, kind of a bargain. I thought about I didn't I wasn't interested in the black and the white version at all, but I almost added on that the vintage one, the vintage color retro or whatever. Yeah, but I, I did look I at it. Up, ended up not pulling the trigger on it. So. Yeah, I agree. I don't know who's I did holler, so I think it's Scott's turn again. Is it? Hey, let me guess, Sandman. Wow. <laughs> You're a, so game of you. A game of you. I don't have any Sandman to put up on the screen while Scott's talking. No problem. Um, you know... That one's not very good, it was, is it? You, that one looks thick. I, actually, I honestly enjoyed this. Oh. Cool. But it, it's... There's really here again not much is happening, but <laughs> it's it's more of a story that his writing style I feel like does well with. Oh. Uh, in the case of this one, it's going back to the well here again with uh, one of his past characters, Barbie, who used to be dating Ken or whatever, and everybody made a joke about that, of course. But then she essentially broke up with him, and she's like living on her own, and it's uh, basically about to her and some of the people that are in the apartment complex that she's in. And of course, dreams here again, that get, that are affected. And here again, when some dream gets escapes and is trying to say, Hey Barbie, you're not dreaming anymore. You need to come back and help our land, you know, this type of stuff. And so she has to end up going to the dreamland and, and helping out in that, that world. But the funny thing is she goes there and it's like everything that happens was probably going to happen anyway. It's kind of like the Indiana Jones effect. No matter what the hell Indiana Jones did, the Ark of the Covenant got caught and opened anyway, you know? I mean, it's kind of the same thing here in which it's like, oh, there's a dream world that, you know, is on the edge of extin extinction. And I guess what happens? It burns out. So, woo. Nice. Are those left over from last time? Yeah. Voodoo Ranger, American Haze. There you go. It's not bad. But the interesting thing about this is that I think Sean McManus, it says illustrated by, yeah. I actually like a lot of his art throughout here. Cool. I got, a, I got a cool Sean McManus series you should read then. It's called A Man Called Axe. I got like bound. You should borrow it. Walk, read it. Really? If you like Sean McManus. I think his art really works well, at least for this particular story and things, you know, and and uh, yeah, I guess the overall story, you know, and, and stuff that was trying to be told here in it. But you know, he, I don't know. He's got a 
a cool style here with it. I yeah, like Sean McManus. There's like he must have fallen behind at some point, and they bring in like somebody for like just one damn issue, and it's like I don't know. It turns out to be a style that is just kind of scratchy, and it, it's definitely a different style. It's not necessarily bad because anything is better than what the hell I can do, but it is just not very good. Hmm. It almost kind of pulls you away there a little bit. Yeah. There's like couldn't get through, couldn't wait to get done with that issue and get back to, you know, some of this other art you know, and stuff. I think he does a really good job on doing dream, you know, and things. So, and maybe that was part of what made this one a little bit better. Like, like I said, it's it's probably not as good as the last one, but I give the last one kind of crap because of the fact that I felt like it was like here again. Oh wow, let me just show you how many little things I can pull out, you know, from different genres you know whatever and pile it into a story but yet do absolutely nothing so you know in this one it's almost the same type of thing hey let me throw in a bunch of characters you know have them talk a little bit you know and stuff and at the end it's just showing how a dream dissolves or dream world dissolves i think neil uh, gaiman just was at the right time you know what i mean like he was very innovative at the time oh absolutely no one made comments like that that's why i like this one a little bit better is because well, anymore, I think I love Seasons of Mist, the time when I read it, you know, and, but then since then, people have done the whole hell thing, coming back out, whatever the heck else, and, uh, you know, maybe it's not, doesn't seem as original as it was probably to me at the time, I don't know. You know, this one is still pretty original as in the whole same group of things, and maybe that's why I enjoyed it a little bit more. Cool. But, I, I don't know, it's, it's still... I think you're right. I think he hit the right time, especially in uh, bringing something that was totally different to the comic book world. Right. The other important thing in this particular story or whatever, this volume, is that he introduces, uh, I'm going to butcher this like I butcher every other word, Thessaly, because that sound right? It's a witch that's been around forever. And I think they even had like some one shots of her and stuff of that nature. That sounds familiar. That sounds right. Yep. So she's introduced in here, and she's a bit of a she's a bit of a mean witch, that's for sure. I don't think that she cares who the hell she she harms, and is just as long as she stays alive. So cool. But yeah, I don't know. See a little bit of her there. Nice. Kind of a small girl with large glasses. Cool. But you definitely don't want to mess with her because she'll she'll take you out. Take you out. Speaking of witches, I read Fables Deluxe Volume Three. Woo! So love Fables. I wanted to talk about this real quick because it kind of reminded me of uh, Sandman. You were talking about the artists. I feel like what's great about Fables and not so great about Sandman is that. Fables has Mark Buckingham doing 90% of the art in that book. I mean, they'll have fill-in issues here and there, but Mark Buckingham just gives it a really consistent look and style, which I think really works oh, to its yeah. advantage. And it feels throughout. Yeah, he did it. He was on there for... The whole oh, thing, I, mean, I think. Pretty much the whole thing, right? Yeah, I think the first trade he didn't do, but then he took over after that and pretty much was the consistent artist. I mean, I think he did most of them. Like, they had fill-ins here and there, but... Yeah. But like on this yeah, trade, there's like a main yeah. story, but then there's like one single issue story, which is about like Cinderella and her her spying or whatever, you know, her being like a spy or whatever. And so uh, that story is by a guest artist. But then the main story, which is basically about the March of the Wooden Shol- Soldiers, 
where the wooden soldiers come in and try and like take over Fable Town or whatever. That's the main story in this, and he did the whole thing of that, and it's super wow. solid and it's a great story. And you know, unfortunately, I already, I already know. Like you said, I already know who the adversary is. So some of the little hints he's leaving are kind of lost on me because I already know you know who the adversary is. That's true. But he's given some. If you didn't know, I think he's giving you some pretty good obvious hints. If you could kind of put the pieces together. Oh, I together. think so. I think he led it right there to, to so to a natural yeah you know, um, end. I guess in a way. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, it, it didn't seem like it was some just weird ass curveball. You know, that was way out of left field. Going what? Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. This is a natural progression to where it could lead. Yeah. Well, surprising in its own way. It was like, yeah, I can see this. And it was amusing as well, I felt like. Yeah. So far, the pacing of Fables has been really good. Like, this issue, it's got, like, the whole wooden soldiers coming in, but at the same time, you know, Snow is pregnant, and they're kind of, like, have that in the background, you know, and Rose Red is kind of running the the farm or whatever. So they have those threads that from the other stories kind of in there, but they're not really focused on them, but yet they're still kind of moving forward as this other story is going. So it gives is you kind Blue of... Is Blue still around? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's in this one. Okay. Favorite. He gets in this sure. one. He because like somewhere around here doesn't he start going on his own little mission? Doesn't he or whatever? Don't uh, they send him? Not yet. In this one, okay. in this one, he uh, he gets kidnapped because uh, the girl who comes back, who they think comes back, is Red Riding, is Red Riding him. It's not really her, but okay. that's who he he left behind at the last castle or whatever. You know. Right, right, right. So he gets taken. Yeah, he gets taken in by her and kind of gets tortured and stuff. Poor boy blue. Yeah. Poor boy blue. He's always a sucker for the women, man, and they just screw him. That's <laughs> the one thing that is a little frustrating is I always get boy blue and Jack kind of mixed up because they both kind of have blonde hair and they kind of look the same as you yeah, know. But Jack's the asshole and boy blue is like the good boy. Yeah, but it yeah, totally. Their personalities are different, but um physically they look very similar and so it kind of always throws me off and I guess except for doesn't Jack have a long old ponytail and Yeah, and this one he's got a little more of a a different look, but I don't know. They're both blonde, you know, young looking pretty boy, guys, yeah. pretty boys. I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of. <laughs> have you read all of this, Drew? I have not. I stopped. Scott was giving me the trades for a while. I don't think I made it to 100. I think I made it to like 70s or 80s, maybe. Oh, okay. But, wow. but now I'm stalled out because I think book four of the deluxe editions are out of print. I was hoping they were going to start putting them back in print, which they might still, but. I saw that they solicited like a compendium version of Fables, which I don't know if that's going to stall them reprinting the hardcovers or not. Jesus Christ. Is, is volume... You should is, always borrow mine. Yeah, I know. I, I totally could read it, or I could read it in trade or just borrow yours. I just wanted to collect the hardcovers, so I kind of wanted to collect them and then read them as I went. Is so. the volume four like on um, Amazon for like $1,000? Yeah, like four or $500. You can get it. I think you can buy it on eBay for 100 Oh, maybe. I still don't want to pay 100 I'd rather pay like 18 bucks for it, if that's cool. Right. <laughs> it's like a $30 or $40. <laughs> like Scott said, it's like, I can read it. I can borrow Scott's if I wanted to. I just, I'm trying to get the hardcovers. So. Oh, yeah. Totally it's understand. It's all good. Fables. Sometimes those are really nice in there. Also, that'll oh, make me kind of take my time. Go. What's that? I was talking well, over you. Years. Did it really? I mean, it was 150 issues, right? 150 issues, so. Not well, so if you're divided by 12 in that range, well, but I mean, that, you're still figuring that that'd be at least, you know, 12 years, but there was probably, was, 
were they pretty regular all the time? Did they? Have it was any? fairly consistent. I don't think they had a lot of breaks because they got Mark Buckingham breaks by having fill-in artists. But I think towards the end they slid off a little because I think well, and they pushed that last issue back because they kept making it bigger and bigger. And, bigger. and then it became its own trade. Then it became oh yeah. So I seem to remember a little bit of a gap towards the end. Towards the end, there might have been. But, but it was it, fairly consistent before But that. then again, that issue was like freaking, I don't know, four issues worth? Uh, right. It's, yeah, it was it's, it's sick how big it is. But it yeah. also had a lot of guest artists and things of that nature in there, so I don't know. Right. No, I think I think it kind of, it was consistent, but I seem to remember it kind of trailing off towards the tail window with it. I could do Well, that. yeah. And I mean, I, I think that was part of the thing, too, is you could tell that I think he was running out of some stories with these characters or whatever else as well. I don't know. I mean, I, I still think that there were stories to tell, but I think his main story that he wanted to was complete. And in fact, after they, spoiler alert, defeat the adversary, it it always seems like they had some difficulty finding you know, anything that was as much of a mystery or as as interesting and entertaining as that. I mean, he tries, and, and he's a good writer, so it still is interesting, but that first chunk, you know, leading up to the adversary is yeah. just fantastic. Yeah, I agree. It did seem like it kind of lost direction after that a little bit. A little bit. I mean, he, like I said, he still tries with the Dark Man, you know, and some other things. He's still got the whole thing going on with... Uh, with Snow and the Wolf, you know, Big B, yeah. which is one of the best parts of the series anyway. I mean, their relationship and stuff. And, he, you know, continuing with some of that and their kids, you know, and things. But still for an overall antagonist, he never really could fulfill that role of what he had with the adversary. Yeah. yeah. It almost makes you wonder if, like, if he had just ended it there, it would have been more tighter and would have just been a... Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, he still had some story to tell for some of those other characters. Sure, sure. And he didn't want to keep dragging out the whole adversary thing either, because that might just pee people off as well. Everybody was wondering, who's the adversary, you know, and stuff. Because he yeah. had done so well building this up. Yeah. You know, how long do you drag people along for? Well, Bill Willingham, he was working in the comic industry, like, for 10, 15, 20 years before that hit. And he never quite had anything as successful as Fables. And since then, he's tried a couple things, and they haven't been very successful either. So it was probably wise for him to milk Fables for as long as he could, because that was really his his most successful thing that he created. So, yeah. Kind of like why Kirkman ended The Walking Dead, you know, why, you know, he probably should have kept it going as long as he could. Yeah, but he's got the TV shows and whatever the heck else. That's true. He's not hurting or anything. A lot. I think he Unfortunately, said... Willingham could never really sell fables, and people just went off and did their own thing kind of based off his idea. Yeah, yeah. That is true. I think he still did okay, though. Because he's not... I don't think he's, like, working or anything. I think he's just, no. like, writing his own stuff here and there, and he does, like, a... I think he has, like, a YouTube channel, but... I think he's just living off fables, residuals, <laughs> or royalties. If they make him more, if they could keep them in print. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably true. Maybe he just maybe he's the one that's buying them all up and selling them on the secondary market. Yeah, could yeah. be. There you go. Smart man. 
<laughs> so do you guys have anything else? I got no, but I was gonna. So I listened to that um, the cartoonist Kate Babe with Rob Liefeld. Did you ever listen to that one, Drew? I did. It was interesting when he's. First of all, I love when he does an impersonation of um, Todd McFarlane. Oh yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I've heard it. He's he's a character. Well, he was talking about. Of course, he was talking about, I mean, listening to Todd McFarlane, Mark Mc, Todd McFarlane talk is entertaining himself. So yeah. Well, when he was talking about when he when he quit um, when they ended New Mutants and they were launching X Force. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I was like, "What's an X Force? What's an X Force? What's an X Force? You're not gonna you're not going to sell fifty thousand copies of that. Nobody knows what an X Force is." <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was cool. I thought it was very interesting um, talking, listening to him talk about Alan Moore. Yeah, that was probably the most interesting part was when he was talking about Alan Moore, working with him, and how Alan Moore was oh, trying right. to get his Did he neighbor. Did imitation of Alan Moore? What's that? Did he try to do an imitation of Alan Moore? He, he did. did. Yeah, it was pretty good. But my favorite when, part was when he said how Alan Moore tried to get his neighbor to write the book, but still pay Alan Moore the same amount of money that he was getting paid when Alan was writing it by himself and get his neighbor paid too. And then Rob Life was like, because it was the same last name. It was like, <laughs> it was like whatever, John Moore or something. Yeah, or Stuart Moore, I think. Huh? Was it Stuart Moore? I don't know. It was something like that. It could have been. I don't know. But then Rob Life was like, I had to tell him no. I'm like, I know you're Alan Moore, dude, but... But the book is... on the cover... If I put on the cover of Supreme, written by Alan Moore's neighbor, like when he gets laughed out of the comic book shops. <laughs> well, he said Alan Moore was really kind of pissed because he didn't think he would say no. You know what I mean? Say no, right? Right. I know. And he's did like, he say, didn't he say he was paying him like ten thousand dollars a script? Yeah, what? and he was cranking out like a script a week or something. Yeah, so, really? Yeah, so Moore's making like forty grand a month, and he's like, "Let's keep this train going." But let me let's see my neighbor in on it. Exactly. <laughs> like he'd have been making like what half a million a year just on writing scripts. Yeah, it was also interesting yeah. how he said all the books then went over to ABC, and how like this book was Promethea, and this book was Tom Strong, and this yeah. book was Top Ten. Exactly. So that was interesting exactly. too. It was also I I was um, I I was interested in the part where he was talking about Stephen Platt. Oh yeah, that was very interesting too. He was paying him a ton of fucking money. What forty, forty grand an issue? Yeah. Pencils and inks. Yep. Back in what ninety four? Yeah. Ninety five or whatever. What's well, funny because uh, how, how did Stephen Platt not do like a hundred issues in a row? If somebody's paying me forty grand a month, I would milk the crap out of that. It's yeah, but they're but they're artists and they don't think that way. It's like they decide, well, I'm not really feeling fulfilled doing this. I want to do something more fulfilling, you know. Where I'm like, dude, I'm gonna keep going to work at my day job because they keep paying me. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's not that fulfilling, but they're they're putting food on my table, so I'm good, you know. But I'm also not Stephen Platt, so maybe that's the difference. That's true. I mean, he's got unique skills that nobody else can really replicate, right? Yeah. Like, nobody draws quite like him, so... Well, and it, was, 
it was also interesting too when Weichfeld was like, I hired Stephen Platt to draw Stephen Platt, and then Stephen Platt like started drawing like other people. And <laughs> like, dude, I'm paying you a bunch of money to be Stephen Platt, not to be Jim Lee. Was Jim he... Lee. <laughs> it's like dude, Stephen Platt. But so I anyway. like so quick quick thing. I like Rob Liefeld. He seems like a nice guy. But it seems like every story, you know, it was always like this person was great, but then it went bad and it was all their fault. You know what I mean? Like it was never like I was a jerk. It was always like, yeah, they kind of became a jerk. So I had to kind of, you know, things aren't good with us anymore. He has a lot of burned bridges. Yeah. And it's funny, like when he was on the podcast, he seemed like this really cool, easygoing, really nice guy. When I met him in person, he came across a little dickish. Did you ever meet him in person? Oh, yeah. Doesn't he come yeah, across he a little bit kind of like a jerk a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because... I but he didn't come Diego. across like that in the podcast at all, right? Right. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, not at all. And I met him in San Diego, and I had him sign like, uh, goddamn, whatever, like X-Force number one or New Mutants 100 or... Something. I might have even had him sign like the bird, like the New Mutants 87, whatever. Whatever it was, I put it, <coughs> excuse me, I put it in front of him and he looked at me and he goes, he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, don't you have one of these autographed already? Because I've autographed like 10 <laughs> million of these. How do, you, how do you have an unautographed <laughs> copy of, of X-Force number one? And I'm just like, dude, I've never been to a convention where you've been. This is the first time I've met you, you know. But yeah, he was just like, he was like why the hell would you want me to sign this? You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. he's a nice guy, and I'm sure he gets all sorts of people at conventions. So I'm sure he's a little standoffish there, you know. But, yeah. Well, it was funny. I was listening to um, the uh, the the one with um, Chris Claremont. And Chris Claremont was saying that, uh, God, what book was it? I think it was whatever, but he's like, I think they only printed 50,000 or 100,000 copies of that book, but I, it feels like I've autographed like 200,000 copies of that <laughs> book. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. I can't remember what it was, but anyway. Was he the one who was talking funny. about like the old Comic-Cons and where John Byrne was a jerk? Do what? Was he talking about when he went to Comic Cons as a kid and how everybody was cool except for John Byrne? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah, was... John Byrne is still that way. <laughs> I thought yeah, he got that. Was... I thought he got that way over time, but no, he was a jerk back oh. in the day. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, I would come up to the table and John Byrne would be sitting there, but it would have a sign on it that would say "On a break." <laughs> but he'd just be sitting there. But he would stay at the table and not go somewhere else. He would just stay at the table and put up a sign that says, on a break. He'd sit at the table, but he wouldn't sign anything. Or he, wouldn't, he wouldn't even talk to people. <laughs> nope, he's on like, a break. On a break. On a break. I'm taking a moment. Yeah. That's the way he was at when I saw him at Dallas. He was like, he was sitting at that table for like two hours, but he wouldn't let any, everybody was waiting in line, but he wouldn't talk to anybody or sign anything. He's like, nope, I go on at three. I don't care if this show opened at one. I go on at three. You can all wait until three. I'm like, dude, I got like a 11 year old and an eight year old here. I could really use a little speed. Nope, I go on at three. Oh, oh, Sounds okay. like a problem. 
Sounds like it your sounds problem. Like a, it sounds like a Drew problem and not a John Byrne problem. <laughs> it totally was a Drew problem and not a John Byrne problem. <laughs> that is an accurate statement, Don. I also thought that that was funny when he was talking about like when he started and he was hiring like, um, you know, all those, all the new guys and everybody was hot. Yeah. And he was like, uh, Danny Mickey and another guy like went on tours to like comic sign their inkers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Inkers don't do go on tours. Tours. And they were going around doing like, like tours and he's like more power to them, man. They were selling comics. It's like great. So you said just be like me, Don or Drew. Just get a good friend of yours from work to give you a copy of signed copy of something. <laughs> what is that? Who's that signed by? Cockrum. Uh, Chris, Chris Claremont. Nice. Nice. That'll cost you like five bucks now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who cares? It's just cool that uh, that he was this guy at work. He's like. Yeah, I know you're a comic fan. I've got like all these comics that are signed by these different guys here. I'll give you a couple of them that have like some doubles and triples and quadruples of. Nice. That's crazy. Uh, So I read Cancor. They don't have to wait for two hours with an 11 year old and eight year old in line for some signature that I got to pay five bucks for. Uh, He was free. But uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but I didn't have to wait in line. I didn't have to go to Dallas. But I really wanted to meet John Byrne because I'd never met him, and he is one of my favorite artists growing up. So, yeah, Yay. it was worth it. John I, Byrne doesn't charge for his autograph. No, he will sign up to ten he things. Did. I think free, but he oh, won't do. He won't do Not CGC. Then, you never know now. No, that was like a year ago. Okay. I don't think he's made an appearance since then. Because I said, hey, it's nice you're doing conventions he, he, again. He's like, well, I'm not doing conventions. This is like a one-time thing. I'm like, oh, sorry. Well, you're at a convention, so I assume you were doing conventions. Sorry, I guess I misspoke. I think because uh, I, I said that, that's why he decided not to do any more conventions. Because he didn't like the fact that I was assuming <laughs> that he was doing conventions you again. Are the I'm pretty and much the had, reason. And you had an 8- and 11-year-old with you waiting too long. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, um, I read Cancor. Have you read nice. this, Scott? All right. Matthew Allison? What's that? Have you read this, Scott? Cancor? I have, I don't believe so, but I know I've heard you talk about it. All right. So, this is Matthew Allison's book. So, I always thought, I, reading it all together, it kind of made a little more sense. Like, it's kind of, like, autobiographical. Like, it starts out with, like, a Matt Allison standing in, like, kind of his own personal like experiences and then as Cancor's going through his thing like it'll flash back to like Matt Allison like vignettes or whatever and he talks a little bit about it in the back like he says you know he some of these things are actually happened other things you know he he embellished it a little bit or whatever so but uh the art is amazing obviously the coloring's really cool it's like a matte finish on the pages and so it's like got this really cool kind of I don't know. First, it's kind of dull. Like the coloring. Everybody's trying to talk at the same time. Sorry, go ahead, Don. Sorry. This is the first time it's been colored, right? It was published in black and white, or was it published in color? I think it was published in color. Was it? Okay. But I'm Sorry. not 100% on that. I'd have to find my issues and pull them out, but... Now that you say it, I think... Maybe wow. Are you disagreeing with Drew? That's not good. No. 
No, I'm saying that now that I think about it. Yeah, it's but fun. now it seems like you feel like the need to pull him out and like prove Drew wrong. Which yeah, go I find him in your know. box there, Don. I know you're going to be wrong, Don. <laughs> no, no, I was saying he's probably right. I just remember oh, okay. white, but so now you have to pull him out so you can admire the fact that they're in color. Yeah, how? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so I still don't totally get Cancor, but I think it's like the whole superhero thing is a metaphor for Matt Allison basically finding his voice and figuring out how to be the artist that he wants to be. Because I know that he always talked about how he had a struggle. Like he was really into being an artist and then he felt like he wasn't good enough until he gave up art for like so many years. And then he started drawing again or whatever, you know. And so it's, I think it's like a metaphor for him finding his voice and finding the brave or the courage to be the thing he wanted to be or whatever, you know. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed though. Remember that comic he had where like um, there was like a box cut out at the end where it was going to tell you something important and then the box was out. Mm -hmm. That's not in this. That must have been a different comic he did because wasn't there like a different Cancor book he put out like before this? Like, called something else? Did he did two Cancor series? Well, I think one was just a one-shot, but yeah, I believe there were two. Hmm. But that must have been in that other one, because it was not in this one. I thought, is this the first series or the second series? This is the second series, the most recent stuff. I thought it was in that one. See, I don't, that's what I thought too, but when I read it, it wasn't there. So I'm going to have to go back and get my single issues and find out. Yeah, and when you find them, find out if they're in black and white or in color. I can go grab them right now if you got two seconds. Can you, well, can, can you entertain the peeps for like 30 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> Drew, Drew is going to... Drew, 30 seconds is a lot faster than it would take me to track down my copies. Cause... Well, that's probably true. That's because you have it, those couple of, uh, what, miscellaneous boxes that you may have to look through? Yes. I have no idea where it is. And it, like, this whole moving over here and then moving everything up there. Everything's just been in such disarray that I haven't really been able to find anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's, oh, all, yeah. it's all just scattered. I'm starting to get it back in some semblance of order. But See, there's four issues which are the Calamity of Challenge, which is what this is, I believe. Okay. But then I have... This just regular cancor. Right. And it is different than the other series. But it doesn't have the little cutout thing. This might be newer. I don't know which is newer. Newer. But yeah, I thought it was in the last issue of Clarity of Challenge. Let's pull this out. We're gonna get to the yeah, mystery. I thought, two, I thought he's done two four issue series. That may be. Yeah, here it is. It's that. But this isn't in that. Huh. So now I'm not sure what I read. Well, yeah, is this is... Color? I don't know. It's, it's almost similar. like... It's almost like the trade is like a remix of this stuff. Huh. Are the single issues in color? They are in color, yes. Okay. There's some black and white mixed in here and there, but... It's mostly in color. So yeah, it's a little confusing. Now I'm trying to see where the series ends.
Yeah, so he added some pages that aren't in these. I don't know. This is weird. I'm going to have to, like, digest this and figure it all out. So, oh, wow. Anyway, this, this is going to be a whole project. But, yeah, That's so, good. like, I had the one through four of Calamity Challenge, and I just have a cancor. It doesn't say number one, two, three, four. I think it was just a single issue. So. Uh, I don't know, dude. Matt Allison, he throws you for a loop. And then in the back, you have to read the back of the book. Like, he has, like, a little essay or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then he says that at one point he was getting ready to, to do Batman Year 5, but then decided not to. He was, he was hired to do it. Batman Year he was 5. Hired to do yeah, Batman he had the gig and everything. But then I thought, is he being serious? And I'm like, there's no Batman Year 5. There was like a, it was only up to like Batman Year 3 by that time. So I think he's just pulling our leg. I think he's doing like an Andy Kaufman. Yeah, he did something weird. Like with that swipe file and that comics library stuff, like he had some stuff in there that I didn't think was totally. Like yeah, he, he was bullshit. Correct. I think he's like making stuff up. Yes, very much so. But it's entertaining and it makes you think. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to dig out my stuff and read this and then read that because. I think this is a second series. Yes. Which would be weird. Like, why would you collect the second series and not collect the first series? But I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and see. Like, maybe it's all combined together. I don't know. Maybe there's, like, parts of that issue and parts of the other issue in it. Yeah. I was a little disappointed that it wasn't. It's not even the full-size comic book size. Correct. It is a little bit smaller. I'll tell you, man. This is what it is. All right, real quick, I want to talk about these two books. We've Go got, for it. We've got Rogue Planet number two and Plunge number four. Now, Didn't you talk about Rogue Planet? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I talked about it before. So the reason I want to talk okay. about these two is because... It, it illustrates an important point. So, Rogue Planet is by Colin Bunn and Andy McDonald and Nick Filardi. And Plunge is by Joe Hill, Stuart Eminent, and Dave Stewart. Now. Wow, um, that is a freaking lineup between both of them, isn't it? Right. Oh, and they're kind of the same story. So, like, in Rogue Planet, it's about, like, astronauts who land on this planet. And there's some weird being that's, like, taking over bodies and killing people. And it's, like... You know, it's got, like, a sentience to it, but they're it's not quite that sure. that sci-fi horror. Yeah, sci-fi horror. Right? Plunge is about, like, a, a salvage crew, which, not in space, but it's still a salvage crew. It's a space salvage crew, a regular salvage crew. They go to some island, and there's, like, a weird alien life form, or life form that's taken over these bodies and has, like, a sentience to it, and it's, like, a hive mind thing. So they're almost, like, the same story, except one's in space and one's, like, not. Like, it's modern day. Now, I think Colin Bunn is a pretty good writer, and Nick Filardi is a pretty good colorist. But Dave Stewart is, like, one of the best comic book colorists. And Stuart Eminent, in my opinion, is one of the best comic book artists. And so I feel like Plunge is, like, above and beyond. It's like seeing, like, a triple-A movie compared to, like, a B movie. Just the fact that the art and the color is so much more amazing on Plunge. Like, the production value is just higher, you know? 
Yeah. I, I don't know if Joe Hill's a better writer than Colin Bunn. On this series, maybe. Like, I think Colin Bunn's Six Gun is pretty damn good. But if you took Six Gun up against Lock and Key, I think it'd be a pretty tight race. Lock and Key might have the edge, but Six Gun's pretty damn Ooh. good, too. You know, so I think both of them at their peak yeah. are... I think both of them at their peak are pretty uh, good writers. So I think from a yeah, writing standpoint, they're both good. But the fact that I think Stuart Eminem is and Dave Stewart as an art team are way above Nick Flaherty and Andy McDonald, I think it just elevates the book like to a higher level. Obviously. But it I just shows that. how important that. how important art in a comic book is. It like just makes it that much better. Oh yeah. It's like seeing a movie with like really good cinematography against a movie with like really bad cinematography. It's just, it's not the same. Yeah. So, anyway, that's all I want to do with that. I did read. Uh, I finally finished but Black a Science. Writer can overcome a lot of bad art. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But like I say, Fables compared to Sandman, I think Fables is above and beyond just because art is so much more consistent and more appealing to me personally. It could be probably, and it's but and they're different series though. Eras. Yeah, two different series, two different eras of things. Yeah. So it's, that's eh, kind of hard. Have you finished Black Sites? Is this like the end? This is the end. Have you finished this, Don? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, long time ago. Really? I didn't think it came out that long ago. Well, whenever it came out, I finished it. Cool. What did yeah, you think of the end? Did you talk about it, maybe? I did. Did you like the end? Do you even remember the end? I don't even remember it now. <laughs> I felt the end was kind of weird, but maybe it'll be, maybe it's like Paper Girls. It'll be better when was I read it, the whole it all at once. series kind of weird? It was, and it's kind of like Paper Girls because there's like time travel and different dimensions and different threads and continuity. Hello, world. Is Scott reading it? I read the first couple chunks of it. Yeah, this is Whatever. the last one. Yeah, this is the, this one just came out, so you'll want to read this one. It's the end. Oh, I was going to say. Tell me, remind me what happened at the end. Oh, uh, Scott's, Scott's going to yeah. read it. But I mean, the, okay. gi the gist is they're going through all these alternate realities looking for their kids, right? I mean, right. So. Yeah, of course, there's all sorts of craziness that happens in between in there. Correct. I mean, yeah. I, I, honestly, I thought it was more that they're going through all those alternate realities trying to find their original one. Yes, correct. Where they're from. I mean, it's kind of the Gilligan Island thing or whatever yeah, the hell else. Yeah. To... So... But, uh, no, it was really good. Matteo Scalera, the artist, he is amazeballs. After reading this, he is easily one of my favorite artists currently working. He is just so really? good. And he is amazing this on this book. Yard, I felt like on that oh. sometimes. He, oh, he is so my jam. Like, his layouts and, like, his, uh, his just composition is just amazing. So, I don't know. It's really good. Like, even, uh, like, his covers. They all look like they're movie posters or something. Yeah, I would agree with that. It just seemed like sometimes with the action and stuff, I, I would get lost a little bit. And things. Yeah, this one isn't quite as Maybe bad. Maybe some of those of character looks and things, especially when you're dealing with these weird parallel worlds. And Yeah, I can see that. It, he know. is a little uh, frenetic, or if that's the right word. But I, I could see that from more of a, you know, you know that cover just blow you away shot. Yeah, I could see him doing really Yeah, but even that. the interior stuff is amazing, too. Like his splash pages and just his storytelling. I don't know. It just really, really blew me away. But, but, uh, 
Are there three of those hardcovers or four? There's three. This is the third and the last one. Each one collects about yep. 15 issues. This one's only 13 because yeah. it only went to 43. But there's a ton are of those, bonus stuff in it. What are those? Are those like 40 bucks? 50 bucks. But they're oversized. I mean, they're giant. No, I know. But they're like absolute size almost. I just, I don't know if that's a series that I wanted to double dip on and buy the... Because I didn't buy them, but I'm wondering... Oh, gotcha. I don't think you double dip on this. I mean, it's good, and the art's amazing. It's nice to see it in the bigger format, but... Right. I, I like mean, those big, oversized hardcovers, but I don't know. What's great about this one is Reminder has figured out how to make it to where the pages lay flat almost, and so when you have, like, a double-page spread, you can actually see most of it. You know what I mean? Some of those hardcovers, yeah. they don't quite do the binding right, and you lose a lot in the in the margins or whatever which is kind of annoying but these are really well done solid and i think he just put the first two back in print so Did he? they don't last long so he said that if you want to get them you better jump on it so like i said i have other stuff i read about nothing that i really need to talk about i don't think i think i hit really? my main, are you sure i think i hit you my main stuff those little quick ones you know yeah i don't have too much else to talk about scott that's all i got Okay. It's 10 o'clock, well, you know. Yeah, I gotta get up early. Do you? Yeah, that's what I figured, that you had the bright and early you, shift. Are you still working from home, Scott? Yeah. <laughs> Is that forever? <laughs> uh, at least now until September now, they're telling us, until after Labor Day. Wow. Wow. It's crazy. All right, Although well, I think I'll have to go into the office at some point in time to... Uh, try to get some other office equipment they're giving it. since they're letting us stay at home for so long they're like well now we'll let you take you know some like extra keyboard and maybe mouse and, key and monitors that you may have had cool. I don't know. i'm gonna sign off the podcast and we can chat a little bit more all right bye everybody